Hi, everyone. Now, welcome to our podcast, How I Met Your Digital Marketer, which is hosted by Tribe, uh, a talent marketplace, a new talent marketplace for digital marketing people. Uh, the point of uh, our podcast is to create content that digital marketers uh, can uh, relate to. It's not just about dragging uh, uh, the struggles of digital market- marketing life, but also creating a valuable, uh, valuable advice that uh, people can take away from our podcast. Um, today's uh, first pilot, well, first pilot, just pilot, is about the eternal struggle uh, that some of our bosses or clients have when it comes to differentiation uh, between marketing and PR. And we have four guest speakers today. Two of them are on the PR side, two of them are on the marketing side, and they're going to do this little battle between all of them joking <laughs> they're actually going to give you different perspectives just a quick very quick round of intros uh, um, pr guys you go first andrew please hey, my name is andrew ricky i'm the principal at uh Recon strategic communications which is a, a company i started about two and a half years ago and uh before that i spent seven years at a pr firm and uh and about five years on capitol hill and on the campaign trail i'm Susan um, I do PR, media relations for a hospital in D.C. and have always worked in hospitals with a little bit of time in an agency. Thank you, and I'm switching to the marketer. Cool. Hi, my name is Lorena. I am a digital marketing manager. I work for Primary Wave, a music management and publishing company based in New York City. I work with artists such as Melissa Etheridge, Fantasia, and Plain White Tees. And Romeo? Yes, hi. Um, my name is Romeo. I'm the founder and CEO of uh, Gelatina. We are a creative digital agency uh, based in Mexico, but we have operations in the US, Australia, and Latin America. And we do work uh, with the digital, digital strategies of most of, um, of uh, our clients, which most of them are global companies like Nestle and, and PepsiCo, Walmart, and so on. Awesome, thank you. Uh, well, let's kick it off. Andrew, since you were the one who practically inspired this subject, why don't you give us like a juicy example that you probably recently had? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's um, I think it's funny that in your intro you you mentioned a battle uh, between the digital marketers and the PR and media uh, relations folks, and you know, I I don't think that there's really much of a battle. I think that a lot of times. In my experience, um, clients will will come to me or or approach me when what they really need is a digital marketing strategy instead of a, a PR media relations strategy. Um, you know, and and uh, when I first started this, I was kind of uh, when I first started my own company, I was taking on you know pretty much anybody that came my way and oh you need that yes I I can do it. You know if you're if you're a young company and you're a growing company you kind of uh, and and maybe even some more established companies you just automatically assume that you can do everything. And what I've kind of found over the last two and a half years is, you know, there's just certain types of, of things that PR is not the best tool to do. Um, you know, and, and I've kind of filtered it down to if your goal is to get is to get customers or your goal is to get people to attend your event, you know, a, a news story is probably not the best way to get that. Um, you know, you're not gonna get, uh, and there was, you know, one example, I'm not gonna say the client, uh, but, you know, they were having this big event. And they said, oh, we need, we need media to cover this event. You know, we need media to cover the event in advance. Well, the chances of that happening are very, very slim. 
of getting a news story about an event that's yet to happen and there's no news that's been made at the event yet. Um, and so it was just a constant, you know, back and forth where their, their dollars would have probably been spent better uh, doing digital marketing and some more targeted outreach. Um, and I, I think later on, you know, and, and I don't want to take up all the time, but, you know, there is a role for some of the more traditional PR and media relations as part of a digital marketing strategy, you know, in terms of thought, thought leadership, content that you're putting out there. Someone's got to write that. Someone's got to get that placed, you know, but uh, I've started to tell clients that, you know, this, this media hit or this piece of content is only as good as what you do with it. You know, there's, there's been some pay to play stuff that clients have approached me and said, what do you think about this? I said, you know, it's not going to achieve your goal alone, but it's a good piece of content that then you can put dollars on dollars behind on social media, LinkedIn, you know, et cetera. And that gives it value as a standalone. It's, it's not necessarily valuable um, by itself. Yeah, Andrew, I think I, I completely agree with what you said about it not being a battle. I find that it's something more along the lines of a relationship. You, it, if you are doing a good job with your clients and making sure that you're hitting up all the angles, you should be targeting with digital marketing and PR efforts. It, in the beginning, I was confused myself with the differences between both. And now that I work at a company where we have our own PR department and I am within the digital department, I can now see how we work together to make sure that our artists are heavily supported in both areas. I agree. I feel like a lot of the time you have to educate people about the difference. They kind of put it all together and just say, I need PR, I need marketing. And the intention is good. Um, but they don't really know what they necessarily need. So we definitely work very, very closely with the marketing folks in our department and you can't really have one without the other. I think to Andrew's point, marketing is really great when you have an event or something specific you're driving while at the same time you need PR going on all the time to really shape that brand. Also tacking on something else that Andrew said that kind of clicked in my brain too, is the fact that when there is an event, all of a sudden people want, you know, like, oh, we need to get people there. So let's get an article in the New York Times and that's going to help everybody come. And it's not like a one-stop fix. You can't just put a, a Facebook ad or get, you know, a, an article written about the event. Sure, it helps, but it's not going to be the ultimate change, whether you send, sell five tickets or a hundred. Um, and so Susan, I, that, you know, you touched on that too. It's the fact that it's, it's going on year round. It's not just about, you know, when you have one thing coming up. Right. Everybody wants a press release. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <About> everything. <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, and, and that's kind of, I think that's kind of the sterling example of, of, uh, you know, people who don't work in this space just assume that the press release is going to give you credibility, that a press release is going to give you some sort of cachet. And like, just because you put a press release out about something that, that the New York Times is going to pick it up or that CNN is going to cover your event or, or you know, whatever. And, and you know, I think it's, uh, I, used to, I used to joke with some of the other people I work with is, you know, the, if you've got a toolbox and all, the only thing in the toolbox is nails, then 
the only thing that you think you need is a hammer and that press release is the hammer <laughs> that everybody right. thinks will, will just be the uh, the panacea to all of their communications needs. Absolutely. And I think the cool thing about digital marketing is that it's owned. So you are able to control the narrative of what you are putting out. And there's so many unique ways to tell the story of, let's say, if you have an event coming up, you can be creating interviews, you can be doing behind the scenes, you can get people interested into what is coming up to then want to buy that ticket, want to be involved. Whereas, you know, PR, it's, it's amazing to have that support, but it's not always, you know, in your hands of how it gets out there. Yeah, definitely. I, I would add that um, I, I guess I also was trying to think of why the confusion in both uh, even began. And, and I think it's, uh, it's because there's some sort of a shared um, goal for PR and marketing, which is brand awareness. And in that sense, there, there's a couple of things. That's, there's a common goal, but now I guess uh, the lines, thanks to digital, I guess have been kind of blurry because, um, you know, stuff like influencer influencer marketing just by definition it's influencer is a pr part and and it's called marketing as well so i i i totally can understand why some uh sometimes clients don't don't have it clear themselves so they would go for a pr action to a to a marketing uh, or an advertising agency and it's up to the agency to to uh to set the the record straight um, and, and I've seen many times um, uh, ad agencies take on PR um, uh, uh, tasks that they're not uh, equipped themselves to, to handle, handle it well. That's a really interesting topic. It's like uh, when the client is asking you for some service uh, that you don't really provide. What's your approach to that? And what are the lessons that you learned from that approach? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'll, I can start. In the, in the past, you know, when I first started, like I said, I was, I was just taking on everything, whether it, was a, uh, whether it was a smart idea or not, you know, and just saying, look, I, I, I'll give it a shot, you know, I'll try it. You know, I'm always trying to learn new skills anyway. So, uh, you know, now, now that I've kind of realized that there's not a lot of success in trying to get the New York Times to cover an event or, or something else, you know, there's... Um, I'm just much more honest and upfront with clients. And I think the, the other part too is that, you know, as a small, as a small firm um, who has worked with a lot of really great talent, you know, over my time on the campaign and in an agency and a lot of people who are now out on their own doing their own things, uh, I, I've been able to pull in other people, you know, and kind of build you know, build a model. And, you know, this was kind of the idea and it's made a little bit of progress, um, you know, but I think there's still some work to go, but build a model where, you know, I have a network of really strong, solid, top-notch professionals who have skills that, I, that I'm self-aware enough that I don't have. And so when there's that type of need, you know, I have so many people that I can reach out to and pull in and say, okay, hey, can you, can you do this for this client and just pull people in, whether it's digital, whether it's, you know, a big project where there's other media needs, you know, whether it's, you know, help with writing, you know, any of these other different areas, uh, you know, I've got a, I've got a, a super strong bench uh, that I can pull from. And so I've just started to, to, instead of trying to do everything myself, 
rely on other people and pull other people in because that's how I think I can be successful for clients a lot better. I think yeah, it's the same for house too. Like you have internal clients, people want things. And it's not a matter of saying no, you don't need an article in the New York Times, but making them understand that there's better ways to go about achieving the objective. I think everyone wants their ad on the bus or something in the Washington Post, but in reality, sometimes digital marketing from the little bit I do know about it and the experience I have had in it is much more effective than a bus ad. It's just people want to see, want to be able to physically see it sometimes. So I think, especially with internal clients, when it's so close to home and it is a coworker who wants what not promoted, it's that gentle mix of saying, okay, that's really not the best way of going about it, but I understand this is important. Why don't we try X, Y, and Z? Yeah, same, same here. Um, sometimes we get, um, we, we get um, briefed on some projects that uh, involve some sort of, uh, or has some sort of PR component. Uh, and, and the same way Andrew was saying, we, we've learned at a very early stage to say, to what to say no, and where to invite uh, a partner to join you and, and try to solve a, a brief maybe uh, together. And, uh, but I, again, I think when it comes to digital, uh, especially, especially now that, that, um, that, that PR is being equal to uh, influencers, um, then it, it gets more difficult for clients to say, well, I need to go to a very specific type of agency. And also clients don't want to have thousands of agencies handling very specific niche um, um, uh, tasks. So uh, we, it was um, interesting. We recently had, a, um, a, we received about two or three weeks ago, a, a brief from a very large network that produces very mass, massive um, TV hits. And, and they wanted to, um, they, they want to have like a P influencer and PR program for, a, for, a, for the whole continent uh, of America. And, and when we were reading the brief, we were kind of wondering why we were invited because we are not known for PR and, or, or even digital PR. Um, and, and I guess the client did know about us, but not necessarily that we didn't um, uh, take those kind of projects. So it was uh, it, it was a shame because we really want to work with this uh, with this brand and it was it would, it would have been our first project working with them. We had to be very honest and talk, tell them that that that's not of our area of expertise and and uh, and turn it down. But uh, yeah, sometimes the confusion starts even at, at, at the client uh, knowing who to invite to their uh, selection process. I definitely agree with everyone's approach in terms of like just be authentic and you know know your strengths and uh, that is uh, that is what's going to make it successful instead of just trying to you know kind of like bite more than you can chew. But that actually brings me to next question, which is probably a little bit similar to this one, let's say. And I think there's might be more of an in-house perspective. Um, let's say if uh, your boss or you know your colleague or whoever is saying like. I actually the, the ad on the bus kind of sparked this question, which is could be which, which could just be a metaphor. Like let's say somebody in your company wants to go for something that you know is not gonna bring a lot of results. Like what's your approach to that? I think it's just suggesting something else that might work and it's changing constantly, especially with social media and making people understand how much you can accomplish just through that. 
And it's been really interesting with everything going virtual. People still want to do events, but we can't do events. And we're like, look, there's really innovative things people are doing now that actually could be a lot cooler than an event. You kind of have to like move forward, think about other options. So just kind of trying to be creative and make people get excited about different things, not what their initial thought is, tends, in my experience, to work. And then you end up creating something a lot cooler than if you had just said yes to Romeo's point. Um, sometimes you need to know when to steer someone in the right direction. Right. Yeah, I feel if I, what I can add to this, um, I would say if someone approached me with something that I felt wasn't uh, going in the right direction, I think we would have to talk about strategy. Um, I love talking about strategy. I love, you know, planning it out and seeing what would be the, what's the end goal? What do we want from it? If you know, an ad on the bus, they just want the ad on the bus and that's something special for them and they feel it's cool, you know, then maybe that is worth it if it's up to the client and they actually want to spend their money there. You know, you can't really, you can help them and steer them, but if they are feeling like they, that's something that they want to do, you have to go ahead and go along with it and support them. But at the same time, if you are able, like, what Susan said, if you're able to steer them in other ways and show what other things that we can be doing. Um, if they say no, then that's, you know, it's up to them at the end of the day, but at least you tried and you gave your expertise, which is what they are essentially paying you for. In my experience, it has actually been like trying to show them that, okay, what kind of results are we actually going to get out of this? And can we track those results? Like, because a lot of things, okay, no offense to the ad on the bus because it actually does work for certain things. <laughs> but yeah, mostly if it's not digital, it's like close to impossible to track the results. You can't count the eyeballs that saw the ad and then, you know, the people who came from that ad on the bus. So anywhere else that is not like digital or trackable. Um, but that actually comes to my next question, uh, which is a little bit like on the opposite of this one. Uh, if there is something that you know your clients should do, like a new cool approach, you know, kind of like to the old uh, game, kind of, you know, teaching their whole dog new tricks. Uh, but let's say your client is really not into technology and trying out new things or your boss for the in-house perspective. Um, how would you, you know, break the ice for them for the new service or the new approach? There's definitely a learning curve. I know for me, I mentioned before, Primary Wave works with a lot of legacy artists and some of them, they honestly did not have digital channels before they came to us. So we were starting from scratch. Although their legacy is there, you know, they've been, for example, we work with like Smokey Robinson and Def Leppard. These are, you know, people that, these are household names. So bringing them onto social media and that digital space, it's easy to, they have like an, um, they already have a fan base. So making sure that they understand that they exist and that it's there um, does take a couple months or years. It doesn't happen overnight. So it's almost like starting at zero. So introducing these ideas of liners and telling them, hey, can you make a video for Instagram story and make sure that it's vertical, not horizontal and all these little things. It definitely takes a bit of a learning curve. But 
I, you have to have that patience and understanding, just like when you're learning to ride a bike. You can't just expect somebody to go ahead and, you know, um, ride it perfectly the first time. You have to introduce and get to know your clients so you know what they like and what they maybe, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe need a little bit more help with um, uh, the approach. So it's, you know, it's not a bad thing if people don't automatically want to get on Facebook Live, but you should also, again, make sure that they understand the benefits of doing so if they have a large Facebook audience. So uh, to Lorena's point and the curve of uh, learning curve, there, there's this old joke that I always like to tell to, to people that you know want to learn these two differences. And uh, it goes about uh, advertising is going to a party and saying by yourself that you are the best. But public relations is going to the same party and have someone come to you and say, hey, I heard you're the best. So that, that itself explains very well uh, the work of, of uh, each of these disciplines. And then um, I try to tell uh, and I try to explain how it's more of a collaboration. So, so if a client has an event, uh, the digital marketing team is going to go and, and, and get some coverage, is going to do some live stream of something, is going to amplify the message. So it's more of a collaboration rather than uh, either one or the other. And, and that usually makes uh, a very clear case of why you need both and in which uh, capacity you need both. And I will say it's very helpful if, for example, with me, I work with musicians, if they're down to do the Facebook Live and go do a concert, that's so much easier than trying to ask somebody to do it when they just don't wanna do it. For example, I work with Melissa Etheridge. She, when this whole pandemic hit, she was doing Facebook Lives every single day because it brought her joy it was something that it was easy for her to adapt to. If she didn't know something, she started buying cameras, equipment, all these different things. And she, it became something that didn't exist beforehand, but all of her fans were so grateful and so honored that, you know, after it turned into like an official thing, now it's Etheridge TV. She has her own channel. She goes on with her wife and films. Um, five days a week, people are now subscribing. They can now subscribe monthly. And she just got a piece in Rolling Stone about it. And so that is a great thing with, you know, uh, how Romeo said, it's the, the Rolling Stone piece doesn't bring people to Etheridge TV or at least her major fan base. It brings in outsiders and brings in, oh, I heard that you are doing this. That's pretty cool where her fans already knew that this was happening because we were talking about it on digital for months now. So it's bring the outside world in on what's going on. That's such a great example. And you know, it just, it, it reminds me that a lot of times when I'm putting proposals together now, one of the things, you know, I kind of talk about on that front too, uh, two areas. One is identify the channels that we can work through that already exist and where the audiences are already there. The audiences that you need to reach are already there. Let's figure out what those channels are and come up with a strategy to work within them. But the second one is how can we build you a channel that that you can then use to, uh, you know, as much as you want. You know, if you're using someone else's channel or a channel that already exists, you're kind of working within the strictures. But you know, if you can, if you can identify your audience and pull them into 
into one place, you know, that can be a really powerful and valuable tool. You know, I, I think about, and, and this was introduced to me uh, probably about two or three months ago, I, and I don't know if you all are familiar with it, but it's called the PESO model of communications. And it kind of hits four verticals of, of where, how you can get your message out, paid, earned, shared, and owned. And so now when I put proposals together, that's where I start. And I say, okay, everything, if we get an earned media hit, then what are we going to do with it to promote it with paid? What are we going to do with it on shared? You know, what are we going to do with it on our own channels like our blog? You know, so everything, every, every piece of content that you have or media hit that you get needs to like expand through all of those different things to really get the most out of it. Yeah, I mean, the first time, I mean, once you get a, a great media story, of course, you want to go share it on social media. So they really do go hand in hand. And then in and of itself, it builds upon itself. I mean, throughout this pandemic, working at a hospital, we would put out something that the doctors learned that that was something innovative and it would pick up. And we had stories pick up all over the world for months throughout this because it just keeps getting shared. There's so much value just in the digital world right now. Andrew, I also really appreciate that post. I mean, that mention about, you know, with the owned and the shared and how do we twist something and create it into micro pieces of content as well? Because now that we have this Rolling Stone piece, for example, how can we then use it to our advantage and not just post on social media, but maybe we run ads, you know, praising and saying, maybe taking a quote or a clip of the interview and um, tying it to Etheridge TV. You know, maybe there's a piece where she's talking about it and then, to gain more people's interest in what's going on. So I think that's a, a, a really great point of you, just because you get something like now what? You have to make sure that there's a follow-up plan as well. You gotta squeeze as much juice out of everything that you get. I mean, it's, it, cause it does, it takes, it takes a lot of effort to get, you know, even if you just, even if it's a, an, like an 800 word column that you write about something or that you get placed, you know, between the writing, the placing, everything else, like there's a lot of effort that goes into that. And so, you know, if you just let it get placed and that's it, you're leaving, uh, you're leaving a lot on the table. And, you know, now if you want to, if you want to take, make your clients, uh, you know, dollars stretch as far as they can, you know, there's just a lot of, it's just, there's a lot of low hanging fruit and that's, that's easy to pick. You know, with social media is like a, like a no brainer. Uh, you know, it's just everybody should be doing that as a default. And I feel like so much stuff just gets, okay, this got placed, here it is. You know, you got people have newsletters they send out, you know, everything needs to go in your newsletter. You got LinkedIn, you know, Facebook, Twitter, uh, so many different channels. Um, you know, you just have to really maximize everything. And definitely inform, I mean, I use so much internal communications, whether it's a campaign we're running or a really great media story, like your employees are so many people that can be your brand ambassadors. So just telling them this is happening or this is in the news and with constantly changing fast moves, like news cycles, it's easy to miss a major article because news is moving so quickly. So the more you can bring awareness to it, the better. And to the internal point, like, you know, 
in addition to creating uh, the content that you're going to put from your channel on on your social you know on your social channels if you have an internal newsletter what i've what i've done before is okay here's how you you have to make stuff just as easy as possible everybody even if it's your employee or your ambassador you know i find that if you just give them something they can copy and paste they're much more likely to share it than if they have to write you know, a hundred words about what it means and what the background is. Yeah. And there's no really clear, I mean, if you think about it, every single person who's an employee can also be a customer. So you definitely, you want, you want their buy-in, you want their feedback. If you're doing something off, like what can we do better? Is there, are there people we're missing? So about this symbiosis between uh, PR marketing, would you guys agree that you can't do PR without a little marketing and you can't do marketing without a little PR. Would you agree with that? I think you can, but I don't think it's smart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can do it. You can't uh, perfectly, I would say then. Actually, to develop one question, uh, let's say if there is, uh, if the business is just starting out, like let's say there is a new product or service that they're trying to promote, let's put it this way. Um, should there should one or the other be leading the way like should the marketing come first or PR come first do you have any any type of like qualification that you can do for that you know product or service to see what should come first i would say as, as lorena lorena was talking about uh, about the importance of strategy so uh, uh, for us clients sometimes already know what they want in terms of uh, having an event they are handling with their pr agency are, we're going to be there to support them and and they're going to be leading the way and we're going to be there as a support and and the other way around so so i guess it depends of uh, on the on the brief on the strategy on the objectives that clients need and uh and on especially on the domain in which is going to take place if it's going to be on on real life on a real life event or if it's going to be mostly on on digital in the music world, I'll say that marketing is something that you should have ready first. The reason why I say that is because you have to make sure, for example, if you're putting out a new album, right? You have to make sure that people have something to, uh, to search to see what is going on. So if the album's coming out in the next month, you have to be teasing and leading up to the big announce, to the big release, I should say. When you get a piece, let's say in the Rolling Stone, you wanna make sure that people are like, oh, this artist is coming out with an album. Let me go see, you know, usually it's like, let me go see what's going on on their Instagram. On Instagram, you wanna make sure that you have the link where to pre-save. You wanna make sure that you have the merch ready to go. You want to make sure that the email sign up if they aren't already here sign up for all the updates that you will you will need we will give it to you and if that's not ready if you have a piece go out and people go to your website people go to your own channels and there's nothing about it it's going to be very confusing and people are going to be like well what is what is even actually happening what they don't seem to be promoting it so is it actually happening so you have to make sure that your marketing channels are all set up so that when people do arrive, they know very clear what the call to action is. Yeah, I mean, it, I completely agree with you. <clears throat> One way to definitely have a bad image is to drive people somewhere where you're not even ready to take them as a customer. So 
I mean, make sure someone's answering that phone line, make sure things are set up, make it as easy as possible to Andrew's point. Um, otherwise, you're just, you're simply not ready to start even marketing anything and you're doing more harm than good if you're marketing something that you're not even really ready to sell. I think everybody agrees. <laughs> well, um, any final words, final blessings, uh, any, I don't know, quotes of the day? <laughs> because we're wrapping up. I mean, I think for me in marketing PR, kind of synonymous a lot of times, people don't even really realize. And rather than try and distinguish, I would just embrace that. Um, as the as this things become more and more digital, more and more global, they're gonna go more and more hand in hand. Um, so really just find your marketing or PR partner and try and work as closely together as possible. Yeah, I, um, I what I've started to do is just be very explicit in asking about outcomes. What is it that you want? You want downloads for your app? Do you want downloads for your platform? Do you want users? Do you want customers? Do you want clients? Or do you want, you know, do you want something else? And then, you know, work backwards from that outcome to figure out, okay, if you want, if you want people to attend your event, you know, maybe we can get uh, a good piece about you. The piece isn't going to be a B about the event, it's going to be about something about the organization. And then, okay, this isn't, this story is not the end. This story is what we need to, to do a lot more efforts around it. And those efforts are what's gonna get you what you need. The story is a piece of the puzzle, but it's not, it's, by, it's far from the whole picture. Um, and so I think by, by starting with the outcomes or the benefits and working backwards, um, those are the, those, that's how I've started um, conversations with, with prospective clients or current clients. And then, um, and then, you know, that, that helps you put together the right plan and figure out, can you do this on your own? Do you need to expand your team? Um, and then you can go from there. I would say my final piece of advice or, you know, sign off would be to try as much as you can. Um, there's so many new channels that are coming up every year. And from a digital marketing perspective, it can seem like a lot and overwhelming, but try to make sure that you have some sort of strategy when it comes to whatever you want to focus on. If it's something that you really want to get better on Twitter, make sure that you understand the best practices, that you're not just copying and pasting what you posted on Facebook, that you're actually putting into practice what works. And you'll see that with time, it's going to uh, show results. Um, as well as PR is super important. I find that reputation is everything and you have to make sure that the right people are speaking about you. And um, when you do land that piece, it's very exciting. So you wanna make sure that digital marketing is there to support. And um, I would say if there's some uh, people watching on the client side, I would say uh, make sure you research for the right agency to invite to your project, uh, whether it's traditional PR or digital PR. And if there are some people watching on the digital or on the agency side, just make sure you have a partner that you can do uh, a, a good job with um, for your client's needs. So make sure you have a, a great partnership. Awesome. Thank you, everyone. And it's a wrap for today's uh, episode. Thank you again to all our guests, Andrew, Susan, uh, Lorena, and Romeo. And uh, see you next week. Thanks. Thanks so much. Nice Thank talking you. to you.